0: Sci-Fi fans, this is Dominic Keating, and I was Lieutenant Malcolm Reed on Enterprise, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Dino Podcast. Live long
1: and prosper.
2: Bad feeling about this. I'm tired of turning away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Divine interest. God, oh God, we're all going to die? When we try to realize the truth. There is no screw. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts.
1: to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Uh, This is episode number 70, and we are excited to bring you the show tonight. My name is Scott Herzog. I'm one of your hosts. And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are reporting live, live, live from the Sci-Fi Diner Studios. So, uh, it's been a great week in sci-fi. What's been going on in the sci-fi world for you, Miles? We haven't talked about that in a little bit.
3: Well, um... I'm um, enjoying Warehouse 13, and um, there's a new episode last week, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, other than that, um, I'm reading a Star Trek novel on my new Kindle, uh, which I'm enjoying as well. So that's about it at the moment.
1: Awesome. Well, I am drinking some coffee with some awesome chocolate liqueur in it. Wow, does it have zing? It's totally <laughs> rocking. It's going to be a good show tonight. No, it's going to be great. Um, in my sci fi world, here's what's happening. Right now, I'm watching Wirehouse 13 2, and I absolutely love it. Like you said, Miles. Excellent show, excellent. Pick up from where we left off. I don't know if I watched this past week's episode, but I have big. I have called up. Actually, this week's episode is airing right now as we speak. But um, I am very excited about the show. Nonetheless, very good show. Watched the Doctor Who finale. I know I'm a bit late to the game, but I absolutely loved it. It Was a great finale for the uh, for the season. And looking forward to more Who coming up in the future. So very cool there. And that's about my sci fi news. Um, I did watch Yesterday is a Lie. Did we talk about that in the last show? I don't remember. But um, I did w- I did watch that and also have been watching The Road talk about a depressing movie, but it's post-apocalyptic. So I'm kind of interested in it because of that. I did read the book, and um, it's it's all very cool. It's all very cool. Oh, so, go do ahead. do you recommend The Road? Do uh, so I recommend The Road? Uh, I tell you what. It works best if you can go through the book first. Okay. I, it's. Do you know what it reads? It's, I love Vigo Morrison, right? You know, Arag- okay. good old Aragon. And so I watched it because of that. And I'm partway through it. It's a bit slow. It really reads like a uh, – how would you say it? It reads like a independent film as <laughs> far as the way the film plays out. has that feel. and has that pacing. So a bit slow at times. Uh, but I really like. Uh, it's a really good commentary on what would we be like as human beings if an apocalypse happened. Okay. And we lived through a nuclear war or whatever it was,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and everything was devastated. What would we do to survive? And, and where would the where would our integrity be? It's really ask some really good questions. So I'm going to say that um, probably not going to be uh, among my top ten favorite movies of all time, but a good movie. Understood. So, yeah. So that's that. And uh, in other sci-fi news, for me, um, you know, you know how we interviewed Ed and his droid, Uh oh, yeah. leave. Um, mm-hmm. Well, um, I've been in discussion with the guys that actually do this. Uh, uh, the guys over at Astromech.net, uh, a forum that Ed recommended and uh, talked about when we interviewed him and I think that my daughter and I are actually gonna set, set set out to make one
3: wow that's uh that's quite that's an ambitious project
1: it is it is but we've already begun to sketch it out we've looked at the blueprints for it and we began to cut wood for it and uh, we're excited about it it's a project we can do together and so we'll at least uh, we'll get started we'll see how far we get right and um, I mean the thing is we're doing it together I think that's the thing
3: so. Sure, and and it can be a work in progress. I mean, we saw it, Edge Droid right last year, and it wasn't totally complete, but it was still pretty cool looking.
1: Yeah, my so goal was- my goal is to have it mobile for short leave, maybe even far point. We'll see.
3: I'm gonna have to check it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all, I actually have a blog post, I have a blog that I run for it that I've been updating, what I've been doing with it, you know, on the days I've been working on it. I'm not gonna give that to any of you yet, but um, I'll let you know when I'm ready to share that. So. Very cool. It's a work in progress. So, Miles, what's on? We're here chit chat. What's on the diner tonight? What's on our menu? We have a pretty good menu, don't we?
3: Oh, we 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 got a lot of good stuff to talk about. We got um,
1: well, we have our interview. Who's our interview with tonight?
3: Well, Star Trek Enterprise fans, uh, we will deliver our interview with uh, um, Dominic Keating, who played uh, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed on Star on Star Trek Enterprise, and uh, that was a fun interview with him.
1: Yeah, Uh, I always want to say Malcolm Reynolds. But, you know, I know me. <laughs> because I'm a Firefly fanatic here. But Right. Yeah. In, oh, other, yeah. in other news, we have what? Battlestar Galactica series about the Cylon War coming. That's going to be webisodes, I believe. Uh, Ron D. Moore is, of course, tells us a little bit more about what really happened to Starbucks. And uh, Torchwood is going to be dark in the news. We're going to talk about that. Chuck gets a mommy and you'll never guess who it is. We'll tell you a little bit later on the show. <laughs> um, movie news, Felicia Day and werewolves are, as we call it, welcome back Buffy with werewolves. And uh, so we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. Carl Urban says his Judge dread is better than Stallone's Judge Dread, And you'll talk about why that in a little bit. Um, At Comic-Con, they did a panel, and the truth is, out of all the panelists and everyone, they said the Death Star beats out the Enterprise and the TARDIS. Miles is going to have a throwdown there when we talk about that. Man robs a bank dressed as Darth Vader. Well, photos of that. Miles is going to share a little bit about some DVD news, Batman Under the Red Hood. And then Miles, of course, is going to bring us his twist with some Vegas Con stuff and some other stuff about the Star Trek movie news. And uh, we're going to end with Miles Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And that'll be the five great leading ladies in sci-fi movies. We, of course, are putting this as a response to the ten uh, i guess most deplorable female characters in sci-fi.
3: Right, Miles? We just that's right. We want we in us sharing that article, we are not in any way, you know, denigrating women in sci-fi at all. Uh, uh, we are huge fans of women in sci-fi and uh, so this is our week to build them up a little bit.
1: Right, right. So we wanted to give a little positive here. We want to give some yeah. we want to give some love to the women cuz we love women, right, Miles? Love women. Yep, absolutely. Love women. All right. Uh, Well, let's move into a little bit of show news. You had a comment in show news here, Miles.
3: Yes. uh, I wanted to give a shout out uh, to one of our reviewers last week. I thought I knew this person, and uh, um, I won't say his name um, because it's uh, going on on the Internet, but uh, – Mr. Shabin, um, I'm glad you're listening to our show. He's an old friend of mine from where I used to work at Sight and Sound. And I have to thank him because uh he got me into watching Firefly. And so um in a sci-fi world that's a huge debt. Uh, anybody a friend who gets you into into uh, Firefly, it's a good thing. So that's a thanks beautiful for that. Thing. And uh thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, and we did get a we did get someone that submitted trivia after we released the show this past week. Um, and uh, I obviously couldn't include it, but thank you so much for submitting that, um, whoever it was that submitted that trivia. It just uh, one other note. I'm sorry the show came out late this week. Uh, we are going to have a two-week break. We're going to have a one-week break on the shows. So there will be no new show next week. In fact, this episode might come out early next week anyways, and then we'll be back with our regularly scheduled show in the upcoming weeks, and uh, we'll be going from there. So that's it for show news. Shoe news. Show news. Show news. I can't talk here tonight. That's all right. Why don't we move into trivia, Miles? Tell us, oh, right. uh, yeah. Tell us uh, the trivia question for tonight.
3: Okay, we're going to keep it sort of an enterprise theme since uh, we'll be hearing uh, from uh, Dominic Keating a little later.
1: I see what you're uh, doing here, Miles. The past two weeks have been like Star Star Trek trivia. Come on, you think everyone listens to this? You know, podcast as a Trek fan.
3: Uh, if not, they should be.
1: <laughs> uh, but uh, go ahead. Give us a trivia.
3: In the TV show Star Trek Enterprise, the character of T'Pol, uh, played by Jolene Blaylock, was originally – she was supposed to have a different name and harken back to the original series. What was the original name for the T'Pol character?
1: See, now you have to be a geek to know this or a Star Trek fan to know this.
3: Mm-hmm. So it's going to really test that. What are they going to win, Miles? They are going to win a signed uh, picture from uh, Dominic Keating. Yeah, and it's a picture of him as Malcolm
1: Reed. Correct. So it's going to be awesome. You Mm -hmm. will have two weeks to answer this trivia question, or I guess you should put a date on it, let's say, by the 11th. Okay. Uh, So you will have two weeks to answer this question, and August 11th is when it's due, so hopefully I'll have this episode out soon enough for you to answer it and give you some time, a week or so, to answer this question. And um, we do only give a week to answer our trivia because we have so many prizes we want to be giving away and we don't want to be backlogged with them. So we will be getting them out to you as soon as possible. So that's why we do the short buffer of time for it. I know that some of you don't listen to the podcast like three or four weeks after. And we're sorry about that. But this is just the way we run our trivia. And if anyone has a better way of doing it, please let us know. We would love to get your thoughts on it. Um, you will have two weeks to answer this question. Send your answer with your mailing address to the sci-fi diner podcast at com. You can also call us at one 508 4343 And if you do call us again, leave your mailing address. We can send it to us. DM us on Twitter. And you don't need to send your mailing address with that. You can just we can DM you right back if you win. So I believe that's about it as far as uh, trivia goes. So, well, let's go into our first promo tonight, and this is a promo we have not played on the show before. It's a promo from the guys at Forcecast. Miles, have you ever listened to Forcecast?
3: I've heard from people uh, from that do podcasts that it, 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 it's a good podcast.
1: Well, and you know, this is, in my opinion, kind of the counterbalance to Trekcast because it is all Star Wars stuff period. I know a student of mine recommended it to me, and I really haven't checked it out, but I've heard enough about it to say, i got to play this promo, and if you aren't listening to the Forcecast, you should be. Introducing... Forcecast.net. At Home for all things Forcecast. This is where the fun begins. Star Wars fans, listen to the ForceCast and visit ForceCast.net. We found the computer outlets. From the weekly Forcecast of the Clone Wars Roundtable
2: and the IndieCast. Forcecast.net leaves no fan behind. It is pointless
1: to resist. Watch ForceCast live. Read our blog. Post in our forums. Check out photo galleries. Listener contests. Cruise through the show archives, including the
2: Galaxy of Music, Clone Wars roundtables microcasts cantina interviews special reports they're all here are you sure this thing is safe
3: what are you waiting for
2: check it out forcecast.net i feel the force the galaxy is listening
1: welcome back the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We are going to dish up our main course tonight, and we're going to start with a little bit of love from TV news, and no better way to start that out than Miles giving us some good Battlestar stuff. Go ahead, Miles.
3: Well, for for you fans that are missing Battlestar Galactica, I think this might satisfy you. The Sci-Fi Network is working on a new uh, Battlestar Galactica series that will follow the exploits of William Husker Adama during the Cylon War. According to the Chicago Tribune, the show, the show is called uh, Blood and Chrome, and it will be an online series with with uh, about with uh, 10 episodes, each around 9 minutes long. According to uh, Mark Stern, Sci-Fi's uh, executive vice president of the original program, and a co-head of the original content for Universal's cable productions, Bowl uh, Black and Caprica uh, co-executive producer, uh, Michael Taylor will write the script for a new venture. Blood and Chrome is about a young man's initiation into war, both the realities of war as fought by soldiers on the ground and in Battlestars and Vipers, and a somewhat less real version portrayed by the media, according to Taylor. Blood and Crow would consist of nine or, or ten episodes, uh, of nine or ten minutes each, and will, will make use of cutting-edge uh, digital technology and special effects to depict to, to the uh, silent war. If it is greenlit... To production, it'll be filmed using uh, green screens and virtual sets, not unlike Sci Fi Sanctuary or James Cameron's Avatar. Before Battlestar Galactic ended, high tech scans were made of all the show sets so that the special effects team will be able to recreate them, possibly even in 3D. Taylor revealed that some details in the Tribune. I've seen the virtual 3D version. Um, of the the CIC, the Battlestar's uh, Combat Information Center, and it's pretty cool, Taylor said. And, and yet the movie isn't c- confined to Galactica. Far from it. It's a story that will take us to new corners of Battlestar, uh, Battlestar's worlds, and yet n- it aims to be very contemporary uh, war movie in a lot of ways. I would say I'm thinking as much as the Afghan or Iraqi uh, war, the reality of Hurt Locker Sebastian uh, uh, Junger rests Rest Rester repo I can't pronounce his last name. Similar um, movie, implied Battlestar. Um, if, if the series is successful, more could follow.
1: Now, Miles, here's my thought on it. When you're reading a little bit of the description of it, it does sound like what they're going for is a commentary on the current war, uh, at least in some. Yeah, way. I, I'd agree. So it doesn't surprise me that that Taylor said that this is kind of going to be kind of alludes to that there in a second comment, and so. I am excited about this. I'm excited
3: about this. I am too. I don't know if you had a chance to see the webisodes. That, I saw uh, a few of them. Did you see the ones that were like – they were airing just before uh, the the, um, the Battlestar movie uh, Razor came out? Yes. I mean they showed a, a young William Adama fighting off Cylons and – um, and it looked really cool. So
1: hey, here's a great, the great thing about it is they don't need to go back to Edward James Alamos to do this because you have a young guy playing. You have a younger guy, you know, 40 years prior playing this role. Sure. Um, I mean, it'd be great if they could, but obviously, for a webisode series, you probably won't get uh, Edward James back on it.
3: No, probably not. I mean, um, and uh, no, they, they 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 need they need to get, probably get a younger guy in the role. I'm sure whoever the actor they had to play the younger po- version of himself in the other web episodes I I think he was he was a good choice so
1: it'd be it'd be nice to see it and here's the other thing just to be clear this it sounds like this is a, in development it is not a greenlit series um, so it's not like ooh it's coming out when's it coming out we don't know yet they haven't even necessarily given it final approval final go ahead they're just working on it and we would absolutely love to see more Battlestar on the screen. So,
3: Oh, absolutely. So,
1: very good. Well, go ahead and take us into the next story.
3: Well, we got more Battlestar news. Uh, Battlestar uh, creator uh, Ron Moore comes clean about Starbucks' fate. And this is something that I've wanted. Um, the ambiguous ending of Battlestar Galactica sure stirred up a lot of debate. A debate that's still going on. Whether you loved it or hated it, it sure got people talking. And one of the hottest topics was... What really happened to Starbuck, uh, Charlie Jean Anders gets a chance to sit down with more at, at the San Diego comic Con and ask him about her favorite blonde fighter pilot here 's a part of what he had to say. I think she was a representative of an entity that didn 't like to be called God, but everybody else talked about it in godlike terms. If you want to call her an angel, you could say that she went through a resurrection story that was very uh, christ like and you know what are the implications of that I felt as I went into the finale that the more I define exactly what she was the less interesting uh, she became
1: okay well that's uh just as ambivalent as anything else
3: and I'll, I'll, I'll confess I'm one of the people that was not satisfied with uh, the how how her character ended yeah
1: well now didn't our interview with Starbucks she talks a little bit about that
3: well they do talk she she talked about it at the
1: uh or oh, was that her, in one of the sessions
3: yeah I remember. I mean, her and uh, Edward James I'll almost talk about a little is just that she went to be back with went back with Sam.
1: Yeah, and that uh, I like that. I think I like that one probably the best.
3: Yeah, I think I do too. Um, yeah. I mean, Sam even says in a line, he says, "I'll, I'll see you on the other side." I mean, it's still very vague and ambiguous, but um, it's a little better, I second think. Question is, uh, Katie, how did you feel personally about the uh, way the writers wrote the demise of Kara the second time?
4: Um, you know what's very interesting is, I've I've said this, that a lot of people didn't really like that she ended up with Anders, and I think, I don't know if, I'm sure this is publicly known, but between the break that we had, um, Michael Chico was in a very severe accident, and he's one of my closest friends. Um, And to, at that point, it hadn't been decided where Starbucks was going to go with Anders, or, or with Lee. And... I think as as a human being, I was so drawn to Michael's bedside when he was hurt in real life that when he was hurt on the show, which they wrote that in because there was a chance he wasn't going to be able to walk again. That's the only reason that Michael was in a bed and turned out to be a sign was because they didn't know he was going to walk, let alone live. I mean, he was like this .001 percentile of people who make it through with the injury he got so I mean it's amazing absolutely amazing that he's even alive let alone walking Um, and so when I had scenes with him in that bed it was so real for me because I seen it that my heart was there as an actor so I think that the writers just saw it and that's why Kara went that direction and so I think her end with him made me okay with the end of her in the
1: show, because I feel like she was with him. So, and that makes me happy. All right. Well, let's move into our next piece of news, and this is still in TV news. Torchwood, those of you Torchwood fans out there, and Doctor Who fans, because they tend to run the same vein to some degree, Torchwood creator warns that the series' fourth season will be dark. And this show has been fairly dark up to this point, especially Children of Earth. Um, was absolutely dark. And it says this, Thought Children of Earth was dark as you wanted Torchwood to get? With what? Uh, w- what with the death? Uh, well, you know who. According to the series creator and producer Russell T. Davies, that's just the beginning of the darkness we're going to see as Torchwood gets ready for its fourth season. In response to an interview's question uh, in SFX about the darkness of Children of Earth, Davies, Davies, Davies responded that, Actually, the story is also very dark. I think that Torchwood found its feet. People found something very compelling, very chilling about it. I love the way people got on their high horse saying, oh, he killed his grandson. Hello. He saved every single child in the world. If you would fail to do that, then you're the monster, frankly. It's an extraordinary treatment that only science fiction heroes get. Uh, you find that if ever a word is said about the place of doctor or the captain Jack, or even by Sarah Jane, sometimes people throw their hands up in horror. Whereas in any other drama, any characters capable of anything at any time, that's the only way to write. And it's the same for the people, these people as well. I thought it was fascinating and challenging what he did there, but hard. It was also hard. I do think that the whole children of earth, we found a new heartland for Torchwood. I don't know about you, but if Torchwood gets any darker, we're going to end up in a puddle on the floor. We certainly won't. We certainly will be there when the new season premieres. But what do you think about Davies saying Torchwood's going dark, uh, Miles? Not a Torchwood watcher, right? Uh,
3: I, I am not, so I can't really comment.
1: Yeah, I tell you what, I love uh, Captain Jack. I'm totally into Captain Jack, and uh, not in that way. For those of you listeners, know what I mean. Um, but uh, he I I love the series and I love the cast they have um I like Children of Earth, but it got hard to watch toward the end because of all the how heavy it got. I'm so used to Torchwood and Doctor Who coming off as kind of a lighter series. I'm not sure that I am prepared for children or um, for the Torchwood to take on a darker tone. I may change my mind when I watch it. Obviously we have so little information to go on here. But uh I like my Doctor Who and Torchwood to be a bit lighter. I'm just mm-hmm. going to say that. Just put it out there, Miles. Just putting it out there. And, Miles, if you ever get a chance, you do got to see Torchwood. It's fun. It's engaging. But I know that you haven't watched a lot of British sci-fi, at least the Doctor Who or Torchwood series. But
3: Yeah, it's a lot to catch up on.
1: It is. Chuck, some Chuck news here. Chuck's gets a Mommy. And it's Linda Hamilton. Miles, how do we know Linda Hamilton? Tell everyone.
3: Well, she uh, played the iconic uh, character, Sarah Connor, in the uh, the Terminator movies.
1: So it's awesome. It takes a special woman to be Charles Bukowski's mom. After all, he's a king of geeks and needs parents, that is, actors, big enough to support his nerd herd status. Uh, uh, Daddy, Scott... Uh Bakula was the captain of Starship Enterprise and noted time traveler in Quantum Leap, so his mother should have some sci-fi street cred, too. And whoa, mama, does she ever. Chuck creators, executive producers Josh Schwartz and Chris uh, Fedick announced at San Diego Comic-Con that Sarah Connor, or er, Linda Hamilton, uh, sorry, got carried away there, would have a reoccurring role as Chuck's missing mother, Mary Bartowski, in the upcoming season four. An interview posted on the Oscillophile Swartz said, "If Chuck and Morgan were watching Chuck, they would be excited about Linda coming on board." To which FedEx added, "Chuck was certainly a Terminator fan, and Morgan was a Beauty and the Beast fan." Season three ended with a pre-recorded video of Chuck's dad giving an ominous message from beyond the Grey, which ended with, "It's time you learned about, uh, it's time to learn about your family," and that's the big question: Where has Mom been all these years? Other noted guests about the upcoming season: Olivia, Mum. Dolph Lundgren, uh, Nicole Ritchie, returning as Sarah's high school nemesis. Isaiah Mustafa, the Old Spice Guy, The Jester, covering Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. Don't worry, Chuck. Mom will teach you about guns, romance, and flurries, and no fate but what you make. Chuck premieres September 20th, 2010 with Chuck versus The Anniversary. I don't know. This is exciting for, for me. I love Chuck, number one, and uh, Lim, Lim, you can't go wrong with Linda Hamilton.
3: Absolutely not. You can go
1: – she's great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they didn't mention this, but they also had uh, – there's been so many neat cameos in this show. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's well worth bringing her on. Well, let's move into some movie news. We're going to – we'll say we'll leave Chuck go and move into our movie news here. And, Miles, why don't you start us off?
3: Well, uh, in Felicia Day news, uh, if you add Felicia Day plus werewolves, you get an awesome uh, first trailer for *Sci-Fi's Red*.
1: Yeah, well, this is actually, and we said if you add Felicia Day versus were, uh, in werewolves, you get Buffy the Vampire with werewolves.
3: Right, but it still not might not be bad though.
1: Oh, I know, I know. It looks it looks kind of good. But go ahead, tell us a little bit about it.
3: Well, an enthusiastic crowd in San Diego got the first peek at, at Red last night when Felicia Day took the stage to introduce the awesome new trailer for upcoming sci-fi original movie. While we can't uh, replicate the uh, Comic-Con experience by sending her over to your house to tell her, you about it herself, we can share the brand new trailer with you below. Uh, Dave portrays the uh, descendant of the werewolf hunting family, like the classic fairy tale, you know the one. And the first sci-fi is reimagining of the classic fairy tale. Red will debut sometime in 2011.
1: So, and uh, and we will embed that video into our show notes. But Miles, you watched this video or this little trailer? What do you think?
3: I'm gonna check it out. It looks. Uh, uh, um. Has Has this thing been done before? Yeah, but it, you know, maybe if it's done well. It could be worth watching.
1: Yeah, and I made the comment earlier, of course, that it's like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer with werewolves, and uh, no pun there. Felicia Day, of course, was in Buffy, and uh, but a uh, little bit of take on it, she's like the werewolf hunter, you know, Buffy the werewolf hunter. But I know, I, in saying that, kind of tongue in cheek, making fun of, that doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It, right. um, it has potential to be real good. And even one of the supporting characters, I recognize some of them there as being in other sci-fi stuff that's been done. So it mm-hmm. looks like they have a good cast supporting it. So go ahead, Miles. Take us into our next story here because it's just a little well, bit tricky.
3: It is slightly tricky. Um, uh, Carl Urban, uh, who played uh, Dr. McCoy in the last Star Trek movie, says his Judge Dredd won't make you puke in your popcorn. Thank God. Uh, we can't. <laughs> Well, I saw the, the I saw the one with the Stallone, and I didn't think it was that bad, but I know it, it tanked at the movie theaters. Um, and I thought Rob Schneider was funny in it. Yeah. But but we can understand why Carl Urban would, would want to start a remake of Star Trek. But why would he once remake Judge Dredd, that laughable 1995 megabomb from Sylvester Stallone? Why, Carl, why? But we're not to worry, says Carl urban he promises that this judge dread won't be a disgrace to the source material urban has been reading judge dread comics for 25 years promises to be faithful to the original i can't say too much about it because we're in a very early pro- process of locking it down and making it happen but i can say that the producers behind the movie are 100 percent faithful to the source material urban told movie line the creator is involved as a uh, consultant and the artist um uh, Uh, Jock, who's done some incredible work, he's also involved in the developmental stage. I could tell you that in no way, shape, or form is related to any other movie that's come out called Judge Dredd. And just to show how committed Urban is to delivering a a Judge Dredd that fans of the comics will recognize, he makes a promise. One that will resonate with those of us who cringe at the way Stallone altered uh, Dredd. I, I could tell you that hypothetically, and this just gives you an idea of where our heads are collectively at, if I was going to see a movie called Judge Dredd, and the actor who played Judge Dredd was to make take his helmet off, at full on and reveal his face and identity, I would puke in my popcorn. So some of us, yeah. So, how about you?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, here's my thoughts on this, Miles. This sounds like um, the reboot of the Hawk. You, you, you know, we had the we had, of course, the first Hawk. And who who's in that mm-hmm. um, Eric Eric Banner, right?
2: Eric
1: Banner. Uh, yeah. First of all, uh, terrible. I saw it. It was okay when I saw it, but it did not in any way compare to Edward Norton's Hawk. Now, right. if if this is the way the rebooting Judge Dredd, then go for it, hundred percent, hands down. Go for it, Carl. We are hundred percent behind you because this is the way we want remakes to be done—the way they did Hawk. And if they remake Judge Dredd, that, D- Judge Dredd that way, then we are on board.
3: Yeah, I'm hopeful. I mean, I, I mean, you know, the, the last one movie did have its problems. I mean. Uh, I'm not going to say I didn't. I mean, I saw it at the Dollar Theater when I saw it, so I don't feel like I was cheated too much. But uh, um, this is a chance to redeem itself.
1: Yeah, so all for it. You know, I'm going to be honest that I only have ever watched parts of Judge Dredd, and it just didn't impress me enough to hook me and make me watch the whole thing, so Mm -hmm. whatever. Let's move into some other news here. Death Star beats out the Enterprise and the TARDIS as best starship every year at the end of Comic-Con, a panel of of august and learned sci-fi scholars debates the weighty issue about which starship would defeat which other starships in a fictional battle bragging race called the Starship Smackdown. The ships pitted against one another were chosen by a combination of panel and audience suggestions, and in later rounds, fictional captains are added into the mix. This leads to fanciful matchups uh, like last year's NCC 1701, piloted by Captain Jack Sparrow, squaring off against the Pegasus, piloted by a combination of Captain Quint and Captain Crunch. The NCC 1701 won the particular bout, if you're wondering. Last year, the JJ Abrams version of Enterprise, piloted by William Sh- Shatner version of Kirk, fought an honorable draw with the NCC-1701, helmed by Jack Sparrow, for top co-honors. This year, 16 ships and things that dubiously met the criteria for ships in the confrontation in the contention include the first round matchups of. Seleuco versus Thunder Road, Death Star versus Battlestar Galactica, uh, Millennium Falcon, the animated version, versus the Enterprise 1701 from the animated series, Borg Cube versus ISS Enterprise from Mirror Mirror, uh, Kyle Spaceship versus Green Lantern's Ring, Yamato, the new live action version versus Klingon D7, and Nessus Protector versus Gunstar. The video of the entire event will be up on YouTube soon, so you'll be able to see the debate for yourselves. But the Starship Smackdown 18 winner was a Death Star piloted by Skynet, which bested the ISS Enterprise piloted by MCP for the crown. We strongly disagree with this and feel that the Death Star would not have escaped the first round fight with the updated Battlestar Galactica. But the panel, including Robert Meyer, Burnett, Chris Gossett, Ashley E. Miller, Steve Melkig, Robert Hewitt-Wolf, and K. Rindle, moderated by Mark A. Altum, thought otherwise. What do you think, Miles?
3: Well, it depends on which which Enterprise is, is, is facing the uh, Death Star. Um, I think the Enterprise, you know, let, let, let's say Jean-Luc Picard's Enterprise from either the TV series or the movies, we still give the Death Star a run for its money.
1: I hey, I would have to agree with it. However, the Death Star piloted by Skynet, come on. That's going to be one wicked Death Star.
3: Well, I, I'm going to get really nerdy right now, but um, the the M5 computer from the Ultimate Computer in the original series, if, if that computer piloted the Enterprise, it would um, it would be a good fight.
1: It would be a... It would be a knockdown draw them out anyways thought it was interesting and thought we would bring that to you and uh yay for Star Wars fans and maybe not so yay for uh, Star Trek fans but one other piece of star uh, wars news man robs the bank while dressed as Darth Vader <laughs> Give me your money. Some guy in a Darth Vader suit, or at least we think it was a guy got very confused this morning instead of showing up to San Diego Comic-Con and all the ways Darth Vader suits were supposed to do this weekend, this Darth Vader decided to rob a bank on the opposite coast, so East Coast robbery here. According to the Gothamist, Vader, armed with a handgun, marched into the Chase Bank on Long Island this morning, demanded cash. What? No lightsaber? Vader is described as 6 feet 2 inches tall wearing camouflage pants, but we suggest if you see anyone fitting that description in San Diego this weekend, give them a pass, okay? It looks interesting. we well, photos on the site. I guess you, people won't recognize you behind the mask, that's for sure.
3: That's I, – I don't know what to say about that. I mean – uh, uh, Darth Vader robbing a bank, that's uh, – I don't want to say it's its really cool because robbing banks is not cool, but it's just um, – it's, well, kind of,
1: it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It least. is funny, yeah. And so, uh, Not that we encourage you to dress up as a stormtrooper and go rob a bank, but
3: – Absolutely not.
1: But, <clears throat> Well, Miles, we have one more piece of news before we get into the twist, and that is DVD news. And you brought this to my attention, and so you, I'm going to let you speak about it since you know more about it than I do.
3: Well, I'm a big fan of uh, what DC Comics and the Justice League uh, have been putting out in the last few years. Um, these um, standalone uh, DVD new movies, and we're getting another one. It's just the DVD got released today. It's called Batman Under the Hood, and it's uh, it's it, the, the Batman and Bruce Wayne is going to be voiced by Bruce Greenwood, who played uh, Captain Pike in the last Star Trek movie. So he'd be a great Batman. Oh yeah, this, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. But this was—they'll um, take the stories from like like comic book series that was out, and so I don't want to give too much away, but just check out the trailer—you'll you'll, you'll really like it. Yeah, very cool,
1: very cool. Well, I I might see it. I might see it. So my mm-hmm. my son has gotten into. Oh, I didn't mention this, but it's kind of long comic book news. I've been getting into some of the comic the motion comics that they have for mm-hmm. the iPhone. Oh, okay. absolutely incredible! Absolutely incredible, and um, watch the X Men and watch uh, Spider Woman and uh, some really good series and interesting. Although I'd be interesting to know what the how they quantify the differences between motion comics and just animated series because they're very close, very <sighs> close. If any of you know, you can let us know and write on in because it seems that they're pretty similar to me. <laughs>
3: Well, Miles, let's head into This Week in Star Trek. Okay, well, This Week in Star Trek, um, i going to give a shout-out to our friend Chris from Subspace Communique. I don't know if any of our listeners uh, live near Las Vegas, but um, uh, the Star Trek convention in Vegas is going to be happening real soon. Um, I encourage you to go to his site, Subspace Communique. He wants to get a, a meetup going. Um so this is what he has to say: uh, VegasCon meetups, Orange County and Las Vegas details. We can hardly believe that's less than ten days until uh, VegasCon showers its superior intellect upon us. We're really looking forward to meeting you, our awesome readers, or as we like to call them, our, our blog blogolians. Our uh, first meetup will be in uh, Orange County, uh, California, and. Um, we'll be in the area pre-con and figured the best place to get together for our SoCal fans. Um, so he has details there. Another uh, news, um, uh, Orsi and Kurtzman were, were interviewed on MTV news, uh, recently uh, about working on the new Star Trek film. Um, the, the rain duo of Robert Orsi and Alex Kurtzman were a hot commodity in Hollywood these days. Um, they are a hot, a hot commodity. Uh, working on Aliens and Cowboys, uh, plus the new uh, Hawaii 50 television show, and several other projects on, on top of writing the sequel to J.J. Abrams' uh, Star Trek, has the writer's days uh, uh, regimen by the hour. According to an interview uh, by MTV News, um, at uh, the San Diego Comic Con, Orsi and Kirsten are spending uh, time with their various uh, work sets right in the next uh, installment of Star Trek. And this is what they had to say. Um, our work days are regimented by the hour. It's the only way to get uh, through it, Kurtzman explained. The good news is that on the set of whatever we're doing, uh, we can step in the trailer and, and do work on Star Trek. she yet, it's been kind of a noon to two to kind of thing for some reason. Lunch is nice. The two were unsurprisingly tight-lipped about the upcoming sequel. No news about Khan or if Harry Mudd would making an appearance. They did say, though, that they're making uh, significant progress and that all uh, Enterprise crew members will be in the picture from start to finish. I wonder if this includes uh, Lieutenant Leslie. Now that we've, we've set up everybody, there are new characters in the last one, so we really want to focus in on them more. So he said, for example, Scotty, who you met at the end of the last movie, uh, who was so important to the crew but uh, had that shortest uh, screen time, now is going to be in the, in the movie from the very beginning. In fact, the whole crew is in it from the very beginning. Uh, one interesting tidbit that Orsi and Kirschman did reveal was that the new movie's focus will be on the main characters uh, first and foremost. Now the whole family is, is there, and, and, and you want to focus on them first. For you worry about about new characters. Make sure you have uh, them meaning um, the uh, lead characters. Uh, make sure you, you have them taken care of. Well,
1: I'm excited about this. Seeing the crew more and more sounds good. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. So that's some good news. Especially, uh, I'm not going to Vegas Con, though I'd love to go to that sometime. But
3: someday we'll have to. Yeah, someday, someday we'll have
1: to take a Sci-Fi Diner road trip.
3: That that would be great.
1: So that'd be that'd be fun. Fun mm-hmm. some time to do. Meet up with some of our uh, great friends in the Star Trek universe, that's for sure. Well, Miles, thank you so much for giving us This Week in Star Trek. Before we get into our interview, we're gonna play one more promo in the show, and we're gonna play the promo from Geek Cred, Steve Rickyberg, who is the guy that put us in contact with Christoph uh, from the Leviathan Chronicles. It's his show and they tons of great interviews. It's a real good show. Make sure you check it out. Here's our promo.
3: Do you drool over cutting edge technology? Are you the first in line for the latest sci-fi movie? Do you stay up late at night playing video games? Do you consider being called a geek?
2: A badge of honor? Then GeekCred is the show for you. Join me, Steve Rickyberg, as I bring you in-depth, behind-the-scenes interviews to give you the inside
3: scoop on everything geek. From tech to sci-fi to games, you name it, we geek it. GeekCred, are you geek enough? To download and subscribe,
2: visit www.geekcred.net and get your geek on.
1: Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner. In a few moments, we are going to be bringing you our interview with Dominic Keating. Now, this was done at Shore Leave. It was one of the first interviews we're bringing you from Shore Leave, other than the live stuff that we did there. And this is one of the interviews. We only did a few of these, um, two or three interviews that we did actually from the floor of the convention the rest were done in other rooms or at a bar or something like that so you're going to hear a little bit of con noise in the background but hey we like that because it makes it somewhat authentic and this is where we interviewed Dominic Keating. Miles what did you think of the interview that we had with this man?
3: I I enjoyed it um he he was definitely a lot of fun to talk to um definitely um not like his character from the the show His, his, his character was kind of a little on a stiff side um but he uh, he was there to have fun uh, he was very gracious to the fans uh, it was not uncommon to see him you know get get people ask to get a picture with him and he was you know totally cool with that uh, he 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 was there to judge the uh, the masquerade uh, costume contest uh, so he was very involved I mean in the convention I mean he wasn't just uh, you know in his room whenever you know. He was done. I mean, he was – I saw him all over the place.
1: You know, and that's something to be said for uh, – you know, there were certain actors um, that were not, were unavailable except at very predesignated times. And he was one of the ones that was available a lot of the time. Him, uh, Kevin Sorbo, and Edwards James Alamos were – had a lot of availability. If you were a fan and wanted to meet these guys um, – there was no reason you couldn't have because they were always at their tables, always signing and always very gracious and willing to chat with you as a person. And so very cool, very cool. And he was one of these guys that we would put in there. So, well, Miles, you kind of introduced him. So uh, anything else you want to say about this man before we uh, jump into the interview?
3: No, I think, I think it's uh, said, I I will say this uh, to our listeners. If you haven't been to one of these fan run sci-fi conventions, I, I strongly encourage you to check them out. I mean, this is a place you get to see some of your favorite uh, actors involved in sci-fi and get to meet them up and close and personal. Um, for uh, Scott and I had had a chance to do that um, that weekend. It was, it was it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it is a little bit different because we actually sit down and interview them. But even if you aren't there as a podcaster and interviewing these people, they're still they still seem very approachable to the other guests.
3: So, very much so.
1: But all right, well, let's launch into the interview.
4: are with photonic warheads?
0: Photonic? I'm not familiar with that.
2: I'm afraid our weapons are somewhat more sophisticated than yours.
0: This technology must seem pretty antiquated to you.
2: Where I come from, antiquated can be very quaint.
0: Is that how you see us? Quaint.
2: And charming. What sort of power source do these use?
0: Cerium microcells. I suppose that's very quaint, too. Not at all. We charge our weapons the same way. Maybe you'd like to see the face cannon assembly. Please. Half you. basic committers and a maximum yield at 80 gigajoules impressive so so cramped man
2: don't be I wanted to get a little closer
0: to you all day really? I was hoping to spend some intimate time with
2: you maybe we could sleep together tonight
0: (sighs) on earth it's customary to ask a woman to dinner first before
2: spending the night with her
0: It's very different on Vizia. It's only when a woman enjoys her intimate time with a man
2: that she'll join him for dinner.
3: All ears. All ears. Excellent. All right. Sci-fi fans, we're at Shirley 32. If you're fans of shows such as Buffy, Vampire Slayer, Prison Break Heroes, then you've seen our guests' work. If you're a fan of uh, Star Trek Enterprise, then you'll be delighted to know we are talking to the man who brought the character Lieutenant Malcolm Reed to life, Mr. Dominic Keeney. Mr. Keeney, thank you for taking time to speak with us in the Sci-Fi Zone.
0: Pleasure. He's all mine. And, uh, I wanted to do some sound effects there for Buffy. <laughs> And uh, Enterprise was going to be. Well, it was
2: such a long time. <laughs> there, there, there you go. There you go. Uh,
3: it's a popular drinking song at uh, Star Trek experience. I hear. Say that again. It's a popular drinking song at the old Star Trek. It, up- it
0: up- is. I'm sure it is. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to talk about Enterprise, but we're also fans of Heroes. Uh, did you enjoy? I've been on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You character, oh, Will, and you end up getting killed violently by Christian uh, Bell's character.
0: Now, let me get that straight. Yeah, he might my head. Did she kill me? No, I don't think she killed me. Okay. Uh, now, I never actually died, but Peter did, you know, zap me to the wall when I shot him. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, fair dudes. So, really. right. you know, if you shoot a guy, like, and he's got kinetic powers, you know, you might want to zap him to the wall. Now, I, uh, was it, it was Kristen Bell came in and she was the the sort of you know the mob factor going after Peter wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah yeah. That's as much as I know really. After that I like, really couldn't tell you anything
2: else.
0: <laughs> uh, but like, she didn't kill me. Uh, I remember the last scene I shot with her. Okay. Originally they cast someone else and then they recast her. How about that? Well, that, well they her, her part they had another person. They had another girl and uh, and then I guess I know, for whatever reason they decided Miss Bell was. Gonna
2: be it and um so you right.
0: inside people. information there all
2: right.
1: thank yeah. you it works
0: great. Yeah. Right. so heroes heroes why not let's start convention mm-hmm. right 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 big yeah. 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 hero right. yeah what do you want to know about heroes i don't really know much about it i uh,
1: what was it four episodes
0: well we were slated for 12 um and Holt, God bless Holt. He's got a show now, so he doesn't really care. But it's coming out on the it FX. It's about a boxer, ex-boxer, that's collecting from the mob. Holt McCannily. Check it out it'll be it'll be a good show. Cracking actor. But he went head to head with one of the writer producers. Gary, hello, oh, how you doing? Good to see you. To see you. you were on the flight, I think. What's that? Yesterday coming over. You were on the flight. Your name was Paul. Did you get on the flight yesterday at lunchtime? No, I missed the flight. Uh, the, they called lines. your name. They had two accidents uh, on the 405 oh, coming down, and I missed it. They have a mandatory 45 minute check period, check in, and I missed it by five minutes. They called your name, I was looking for Yeah, I probably would have been uh, on that plane with you and a bunch of other people. And Kevin. Yeah. Oh, Kevin was on the same plane. Well, they'll be. Did
4: you have good time on Heroes? No, know, not
0: bad. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah, some shows can be a little tricky. Peter. I, um, I thought it was a fun part. It was a fun part. They, I was just saying, they nixed us because Holt, uh, he went head to head with one of the writer producers who have written out of this particular episode. About one line in one scene, and. Uh, I clipped the next week baby oh, yeah. Oh. yeah well oh. they were the height of their you know we can do anything we're saving the world you know and it was actually the second season that brought them to their knees right and they all went down the tube <laughs> <laughs> oh. and they did too uh, and Steve, was it Mr. It Kring? Was his name? Yeah, Tim yeah. Kring. Yeah, Tim Kring. Nice man, actually. Yeah. Uh, of all the guys, he was the guy that was. Uh, he had a bunch of cowboys that were uh,
2: tricky.
1: You well, know, really, they say, uh, you know, Heroes could have probably ended after season one or two and been okay. But they kept dragging it on, and the story just seemed to wander too much. Right? Yeah. a I've heard
2: any series I've yeah. heard yeah. Uh, well,
0: no. Uh, I won't be in it.
2: Yeah,
3: nice. Good luck to him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk Star Trek. Let's talk Star Trek. When you play the part of Malcolm Reed, what inspiration did you draw on your character?
0: I'm very good. I thought I was the interior designer on the ship. So, Captain, Captain, we need some new curtains in the ready room. They really are too tired. Inspirationally, I. Uh, I suppose, given that I was the army officer, I actually harkened back to a day when, as a you know, 17-year-old, I nearly joined the Army in, uh, in England. Uh, I come from an Army background, and uh, my mother's father, my grandfather, had fought in two world wars and was, um, was an officer. And he was given the OBE, blah, blah, blah. And that's really where I went. I went to young Dominic uh, as a, uh, an under-officer cadet in the, uh, my school. Army brigade, and
2: um, and then a
0: little, you know, for the first time in my acting career, I actually matched that up with uh, a good dose of just me, quite frankly. So yes, there was a, you know, there was a certain hearkening to a time when I thought I might be that guy, and then I, I let my own humour and and personality come through Malcolm Reed eventually which I've never really had a... You know, I've never been serious regular in this respect before, so um, it occurred to me quite quickly, thank heavens, in the first season that I might do that, and I'm, I might... It might be, it might actually just... It, it wasn't part of the three-line proviso that they'd given you, but you know what? Let's make him a real three-dimensional character. And so, yes, he is a button-down, stiff upper lip it but, you know, it doesn't mean he's not got a sense of humour and some flaws and... No, there are contradictions. Sure, I've right. Given right. some contradictions. So they let right. you develop character. They let me do that. Them. I think, given that I was English, uh, yeah. that gave me a little bit more wiggle room than ordinarily they might have given another American to playing something that they'd written four the line by line. You know. uh, I got to be able to bring up the writing staff and go, you know what, an English guy wouldn't say that. Uh, he'd say these three speeches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. cool. And they fell for it.
3: Yeah. So, they, so, so they gave you some freedom with the character.
0: Yes, yeah, they did. Kind oh, yeah, of really so.
3: Um,
0: now, were you a fan of Star
3: Trek before you did
0: Enterprise? Yeah, I watched uh, it as a kid. Okay. Uh, I'm a little older than my, my youthful books for Um I grew up watching it. The devil. <laughs> <That>? Sold <Soulless>? my so. <laughs> Yeah, I watched it as a kid growing up. Um, and then didn't really... Can't say, you know, after that initial phase as uh, an eight, nine, ten-year-old went. Uh, it's not something I stayed with, and um, I moved on to the high chaparral. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a TV tart that I am. Um were uh, <laughs> all boys living on that ranch, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, cute mother of Anyway. Uh, so, um, then when I came to America, I, I did look at some uh, Next Generation, just simply because it had an image chapter in the lead part, and that grabbed my attention. Um, but, yeah, not, not an aficionado, I only stressed of the by the time I got uh, prize. Mm-hmm. And then went back and looked at,
3: you know, a little bit of all of the shows, just to sort of ground myself in <laughs> what we were going to do. um, you kind of touched a little on this but what what else did you like about about playing uh, Malcolm Reed
2: Uh,
0: well so many things really I mean just being on a big Hollywood set you know shooting at Paramount it was you know a treat Uh, we shot on the same stages that Alfred Hitchcock shot Rear Window and across the road was stage 9 where they did Sunset Boulevard and I walk through an alley every day called the Godfather Alley, because that's where uh, um, Ed Harris, who played the lawyer, when he flies to Hollywood to make it right with the producer that won't put Johnny Fontaine in the picture, they shot it in this alleyway at Paramount. It was affectionately you know, known as the Godfather Alley. I walk through it every day on the way from the car park to my trailer, and every day I pinch myself and I'm yeah.
3: Per- we're not in Kansas now, Dorothy. <laughs> no, we aren't. No, we aren't. No, we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Star Trek is known for its social commentary. There any episodes of Enterprise? In this statement that, or address something that you're proud of?
0: Do you know, I I, uh, uh, I always say that I think the best episode we did was Cogenitor. genitor Yes, I remember that one, yeah. And um, I, mean, I was hardly in it. Um, that's <laughs> how generous I am, people. <laughs> I think it was the best episode we, we wrote and, uh, and we
2: produced. And, and it was
0: fantastic. And LeVar Burton directed it with a beautiful, nice touch. And, uh, you know, it was just not just fantastic sci-fi, just really good, dramatic, episodic TV. It made you think. Sure did. Mm-hmm. You know it was very moving and, uh, and uh, thoughtful mm-hmm. uh, good stuff we had a few, a few of those mm-hmm. a handful which, you know for any show that goes for nearly 100 episodes uh, there are only really a handful that are you know that are just taking to the next level and we did it do you have any other favourites uh, well of course Pod one Shuttlepot yes, yeah, no. yes that's <laughs> the- I'm gonna you know I was in that one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, terrific episode you know, it's a 2 handed play, basically. Um, I, whenever I do look at it from time to time, and I've probably seen it half a dozen times since we shot it, um, I'm always amazed that the, the other people on the ship read it so much. <laughs> it didn't read that way. <laughs> right,
2: right.
0: Um, it was a good episode. Uh, um, yeah, those are the two that really stick
3: out in my mind. Mm-hmm. I know for fans, I think that's one of their favorites. I believe
2: so. let yeah. Just yeah. yeah. get
3: some rhythm yeah. of applause. Yes.
2: <laughs> um.
1: Curing effect, cue here.
2: <laughs> did, did you bond with your castmates? Did, you, did you keep in touch with them?
0: Absolutely. Um, still very, very... Uh, I don't see Scott often, but he, We always go to his Christmas party. Cool. Oh. Um, yeah, just a nice 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 man and uh yeah uh connor we were very very close uh he uh, he moved away we used to live, literally we, we were neighbors you could throw a bread roll from our houses uh, but then he had a child and schooling district things had to move out of hollywood and uh, you know I see it comes a lot now and we talk on the phone a bit Anthony and I are still quite close and talk on the phone and John very much so don't see the girls um, don't see Jolie since the day we wrapped uh, but yeah, we were a tight cast uh, there on set. Uh, you know, no, sh- no shenanigans. <laughs> uh, very happy, you know, because a lot of times, uh, not so happy on episodic sets. Yeah. It can be. So you, you guys to in heavy hours. Bit, yeah. well, long, long hours.
2: And it takes one idiot to make it,
3: you know. They talk about the set a little bit. It's usually somebody that's a practical joker on uh, any set of TV. Was there one on enterprise Not not especially. Um,
0: The one practical deck I always talk about is uh, when Scott went to New York to do the upfronts to promote the show, I think probably at the end of the first season. Um, And he did the, the, it wasn't the Ellen show then, it was the um, Rosie Rosie O'Donnell show. And... uh, they found an old commercial he'd made, but I don't. People don't know this particularly. But he came out of musical theatre, he's got can sing and dance, and he'd done a commercial, you know, for money <laughs> for Canada Dry, and it was done, you know, in leggings and headbands, and it was oh. he was the Canada Dry man. <laughs> it's as cheesy as it gets. Let me tell you, it really is cheesy. So anyway, um, our line producer had seen that. He got a hold of a, a version of the commercial our art department made up canada dry bottles because you can't buy them anymore it's the green bottle the, right you know, we all got one of those and anyway they sent the pa out to scott's trailers to go and get him to shoot the first scene on the bridge and they wired up the commercials of all the screens <laughs> so like, scott comes on all like being the captain <laughs> and he starts to do the scene, and someone went, get it! And the Canada Dry commercial comes up on every plasma on the bridge. That's You've never seen a grown man go, you know, 0 to 60 in three seconds, puce red. And we all jump out from behind our consoles with the Canada Dry
2: bottle doing the dance. Anthony
0: and Linda Park and dance, and they were fantastic. <laughs> it's like Beyonce and, you know... Yeah. And it was, um, that was pretty funny stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're somewhere.
1: We'll talk about commercials. Uh, rumor uh, has it of a hazard of a Dow Sassoon, is that right? Oh, Vidal Sassoon. Yeah. My
0: wife, uh, I call my it. flat in London wash and go out of respect. <laughs> <laughs> they bought it for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, two days' work, man.
2: So, uh, you saw us. The one that you were being in? Leonard, but effective. Hey, I watched it. Hey, Sammy. What you
0: guys the legacy, mm. which season and which character, if you can remember? I can't remember the character. Of, uh, I think it was season two. Uh-huh. Yeah, that really was my that was my first TV job oh, cool. uh, out of LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: you know?
0: that's a funny story. I was I was actually currying, being a courier, you know, delivering stuff to offices and I used to deliver to, Paul Weber. was assisting, I can't even remember if the casting director was now, but he was in charge of pre-reading people for that part on Poltergeist. I got a pre-read, I went along there, and I was wearing a suit, because the part demanded, stuff, that any? And he only recognized me from being the courier. And he looked at me and went, why are you wearing a suit today? Actually so I'm not here as a curry, I'm actually here as an actor. Yeah, I know.
2: Oh yeah. god, you see his eyes roll over.
0: <out> <laughs> And we went in to read this thing and it was a, i remember it was a lengthy, you know, a lot of exposition. It was kind of a boring piece. But I breathed some life in it and he's I even remember that they wanted to he said to me, I wanna cut page three and four and I went, I don't mean to be rude, mate. I've really prepared this and I can make it interesting. He went, he really double rolled. <laughs> you know, gay casting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we got to about halfway page, to page three and he started to go. Oh. I got to the end and he went. Don't move, don't move. He pushed out of the door and he went and got. I can't remember who the head casting lady was. dragged her through, made me shake her hand. I got the job. Yeah, it was a courier job. <laughs> That's how it worked. Oh, there you go. He cast and he went on to so cast me in uh, in Poltergeist and Poltergeist guys, species. Okay. Years later. Oh, very cool. With
2: the clown, oh. being the clown. Uh, I think. No,
0: I didn't do clown.
2: Buffy. Yeah, he was um oh, the head know. of the yeah. clown shop. Yeah. In Buffy? No, my Buffy episode
0: was when they tested her powers, and they dragged, they they brought in the worst vampire that they could possibly dream up, and I was his watcher. Uh, Not very good because I, you know, I I turned my turn away for a second, and I was bitten by the said vampire, and actually made Buffy history. They'd never morphed anyone into a vampire, and I was the first. Exactly. I mean, me and uh, Jeff Kober, who actually came on to guest star on our show a couple of times. We chased uh, her around Glendale for a weekend and got uh, the So, how uh, conventions are you here? I mean,
2: it varies
0: nowadays. Uh, I would say I probably get, you know,
2: between four and a half a dozen. Do you, yeah. yeah.
3: uh, you get to the East Coast as sure. much? Uh...
0: Gosh, um, I haven't been, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Yeah, I was in New Jersey recently, um...
2: um, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm just kidding.
0: Jersey. God bless the cons. You know, I mean, they've taken me around the world. I mean, they really have. I was just back in New Zealand and uh, That's Australia. That's a great place to be. Yeah. Got engaged on the, on the west coast of the southern islands. Like the way out at sunrise.
1: That's beautiful <laughs> too. <thing>. <laughs>
0: um, so I love the cons. You know, they've uh, they are the standing on this fantastic job that just keeps on giving and giving you know God bless these fans
2: uh-huh. well
1: that being said uh, you know so what's in the future for you hmm. well wait to hear on uh, oh out loud okay I'm waiting to hear
0: on, uh, I am in consideration for The Hobbit uh, Peter Jackson's doing a back to back
1: yeah yeah absolutely we I won't say any more than that
0: uh, and there's also a TV show series regular I won't say any more about that and just now I'm waiting to hear about a couple of episodes of another uh, show that's already in production so you know there's life after Trek
1: there is great well that sounds like you're busy then or you're just
0: trying to keep busy Uh, certainly you know uh, actor through and through you know, for life that's what I said when I started out in this crazy journey 25, 27 years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for better or for worse right, right, uh, right. I want to be an actor
2: uh-huh.
0: and that's, uh, it's worked out better than I imagined it might have done. so I'm still giving interviews <laughs> there we are
1: which we're grateful for well, we do have a real quick question from one of our fans who asked what on Twitter um uh, Carter,
2: uh, I don't know how the whole is without pay. Oh, I half noticed. How does it go? No, no, it's not a joke.
0: Who do you want to have a father? No, that wasn't my how does it go?
1: I think it's, that's, all that's all he said. That's all he just said. He just said those. Who would you choose?
2: The Carter's sister. Yeah, Picard. of course. Thank you, boys. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We hope you enjoy our interview with Dominic Keating. We know that we enjoyed interviewing him, and we had a very fun experience again at the con with him and with many other guests we interviewed. And uh, we got to wrap up the show, but before we do, Miles is going to bring his Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Miles, tell us a little bit about what your Sci-Fi 5 and 5 is about
3: last two episodes we, we dealt with an article about uh, the 10 most uh disappointing female characters in sci-fi and um in no way is that you know a reflection of you know how you and i feel about uh, uh leading ladies in sci-fi movies and tv uh, not that i mean the article is an interesting article but uh, i just want to you know kind of give props to uh some of the leading ladies in sci-fi movies uh, over the years. And the first one I want to start out with is uh, Sigourney Weaver, who played Ripley in the Alien movies. This one was totally badass. I mean, uh, you know, definitely not a weak character by any means. So uh, she she, she was just, uh, you know, she rocked. Uh, Another one, Carrie Ann Moss. She played Trinity in the Matrix movies. And she was kind of easy on the eye too, which, which didn't hurt. Gotta give props to Carrie Fisher, who played Princess Lee in the Star Wars uh, movies, the original three. Uh, again, um, she was, you know, not a weak character. She was, she was tough. Uh, she got the job done. She always had a blaster in her hand, uh, taking out stormtroopers and um, taking the lead. Another one, um, what, uh, more of an up and comer. Um, well, we're seeing her a lot now, but uh, Zoe uh, Saldana, so, so, uh, she played O'Hora in Star Trek and uh, Nevatiri in Avatar. I think we're going to see this woman's career only get bigger. Um, I think she'll be, you know, her, her, she'll make her presence known in, in more sci-fi movies. And uh, number one, um, we talked about her briefly, uh, but Linda Hamilton um, in uh, the Sarah, she played Sarah Connor in, in the Terminator uh, movies, uh, the first two. Attractive woman, but also in, uh, another badass. Um, and, I mean, a total transformation from a character in the first movie to the second movie. You didn't want to mess with uh, Linda Hamilton's character in the second movie.
1: No, absolutely. And that's a great list of five strong female characters uh, that, we are, that we have here. So thanks for bringing that list together. My pleasure. You know, we could always talk about the ten worst male characters as well in sci-fi sometime. Maybe we'll have to do that. But uh, – but, yeah, all to say, it's I think you've given it some good balance, Miles. I hope so. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. And uh, if you are listening to the show, just remember that one of the ways you can help support this podcast is by going into iTunes and leaving a five-star review. We would love to obviously have you do that. It helps us do better in the rankings and all that sort of stuff. And if you love what we're doing, love our show, love our interviews, please, by all means, go there and leave us a review. It uh, is just awesome, an awesome way to support us. You can also find us at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast.com and there's all sorts of information, show news, some of the videos that we alluded to, some of the trailers we alluded to we're going to have up there, and uh, it'll be ready for you to check out when this show goes live late this week, early next week. So it is, it's, 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 it's very cool. Some uh, Shore Leave videos up there as well, so make sure you check them out. Miles, how can they go about uh, bothering you?
3: You could stalk me on Twitter. Uh, I'm son of Wharf at Twitter. I also am um, at Trekspace, son of Wharf at Trekspace and we do the sci-fi diner podcast does have a, uh, a fan page on uh, Facebook um, And now we're up, to, we're up to 92 fans. So um, listeners would be wonderful to get to up to 100. it would just be really cool. So
1: I believe we get but, our custom URL at that point.
3: Yeah, so, uh, but th- th- those who've recently joined uh, our fan page, thank you very much
1: absolutely we love it and we love the fact that you've joined our fan page so thank you thank you listeners thank you to all our listeners out there that support us and download our show and listen to us we would love to hear from you um, your thoughts about what you're watching what movies you're excited about maybe you're not excited about what you've been seeing that you've been crazy about maybe not so crazy about please email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com call in the show 1-888-508-4343 that is a listener line I will not pick up. You you won't bother me. You can call that at any time, and it is toll-free. Again, 1-888-508-4343. Give us your thoughts about what you're listening to, and hey, if you have your own Sci-Fi 5 and 5, you can share that with us. We've had some listeners contribute to that in the past, and we would love to have you contribute your own Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and you can do that by voicemail. You can also attach that as an MP3, uh, or WAV file, I guess, to any email that you send us. We, of course, are on Twitter, the Sci-Fi Diner, and I'm on Twitter, Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And did we cover everything, Miles? I'm trying to remember here as I'm rambling on.
3: I, I think we covered everything.
1: Sounds good. Well, Miles, let's wrap up the show.
3: Okay. Until then, good night and good luck. We
2: will see ya. It's been a long, long Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here. And I can feel the change in the wind right now Nothing's in my way And I'm not gonna hold it down no more